Hey, Tim here, host of the Invisible Condition podcast, a show where we talk about unusually normal things with the goal of ending the stigma that surrounds invisible conditions, disabilities, illnesses, and diseases. I live with Crohn's disease, and for many years, I feared sharing what made me, well, my normal, but no more. I'm excited to share, and I invite others to do so as well. So let me ask you this. When was the last time you went for an eye exam? I think it's fair to assume that the results are either one of two things. They're either all good, or you hear that you need glasses. What if you heard the optometrist say, I see something, and I'd like to send the results off for a second opinion with a specialist. Now, if this was me, I don't think I'd think anything of it. Would you? Well, this happened to my guest, Felix Chan. He went for an eye exam, said he may need to see a specialist, and then went about his day. He got a call from that specialist to go do some lab work, and again, he didn't think much of it. But what happened next shocked him. He got a call from the specialist on a Sunday, and that specialist said, Felix, you have signs of leukemia. You need to come see me, and we need to start treatment ASAP. He hung up and was in shock, a complete state of shock. A routine eye exam and now leukemia. In this episode, you will hear how Felix struggled with the diagnosis, how he is persevering, and learn how he has decided to embrace his diagnosis and live vulnerably. Felix, it's so good to see you again, to connect with you again. Uh, our friendship has has uh, grown over the years. I've known you for well, 10 plus years and watched your family grow. And uh, I know we've you know, separated a pass over the over the last number of years, but um, but it's so good to have you on. And, and thank you for being open and willing just to share vulnerably about your invisible condition story. So thank you. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Uh, you and Ted are great friends and uh, really appreciate this project that you've uh, started to create a voice for this conversation. So yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, uh, you've got just an amazing story. We're going to jump right into it because I, I think the people who are listening are are going to just, um, I think, be in awe of your diagnosis story. Um, so I won't I won't jump into it. I'll let you just share a bit about you and a bit about uh, a bit about your story. Yeah, appreciate that. So, I guess um, the journey starts about seven years ago, twenty sixteen ish. We had um, just had uh, our our daughter um, Abby, and there's nothing really wrong with her. Um, her eyes or anything like that, but I thought, oh, why don't I just go take her for uh, for a checkup at the optometrist? And I didn't have any problems either. I've always had good vision 2020, but I thought on a whim, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll check my eyes too. And when I was doing the exam, the optometrist saying, oh, hey, like something's kind of like a little off with your eyes. Like there's like some bruising. And I thought nothing of it. Um, but she said, oh, you should go see like the specialist. And uh, I just took her card and um, 
called them, they made an appointment. And a few days later, I went to this opt ophthalmologist um, and she was doing much tests and she said, kind of like a nonchalant voice, like, oh, you know, you should go do some blood tests. And I, again, I thought this kind of routine and I, sh I didn't go <laughs> immediately. <laughs> I didn't think there was much urgency, but she called me back a few days later, like, oh, like you should go see a blood test like now. And so I just hopped on, made, a, made an appointment and um, it got sent in over the weekend. And uh, I went down on the, on the Saturday and then on the Sunday she called me and she said, hey, like, I usually don't work on weekends, but I just wanna let you know that the results came back and um, you have the signs of leukemia. And I was just so shocked at that. Like, oh, I went from a optometrist meeting a, a week ago now to the specialist, now I have leukemia. And it was like a, a massive, massive shock to, to myself. And I kind of stewed on it the whole Sunday. And um, the next day, my wife and I were going to our, our staff meeting. And uh, Jessica noticed something was off. And she's like, like, what's going on? Like, just pull over. And I just kind of shared what she had shared with me on the phone about my diagnosis. and. Uh, thankfully, um, you know, our staff team is amazing. And when we drove over there afterwards, like we just spent the time um, sharing and crying and them taking some time to pray for us. So yeah, even in a time of significant upheaval, just having that support was huge. Um, a few days later, I'll end up getting a, an appointment with um, my oncologist. And she ended up, um, in my case, the hematologist for leukemia, and found out that it's a uh, leukemia called chronic myeloleukemia, which, um, interestingly enough, um, 20 years ago, people with this diagnosis, they would have been probably given like a three to four year um, trajectory prognosis. Um, but through amazing research from doctors and um, researchers, that there's the miracle drug called imatinib, and uh, that's what I was able to to get on right away. And so that was a huge relief to us. Like, wow, like this miracle drug is going to really save my life. And so, uh, Basically, a week after that, I started taking this daily pill, basically chemotherapy in a pill, and um, we're on a good trajectory. Uh, and about two months later, I was going to the movies with Jessica, and I started feeling this uh, really deep pain. Um, and it felt like my sides were just kind of being destroyed, I guess, is the way I describe it. And, uh, fortunately, the theater was just across from uh, St. Paul's, and I told them um, the pain that was going on. It got me right through, and um, I was told by the doctor that I had experienced uh, a rare side effect called gastroparesis, which is basically the stomach stopping. And so 
as they did a bunch of tests, the only factor that they came up with was it's due to this drug that uh, was causing this, this problem. And that was super shocking and discouraging. This life-saving drug I'm supposed to be taking is really making it possible for my body to function. And that was another roller coaster of what ifs and what's going on. And um, over the next few few months, um, I was able to get into another drug called dasatinib, um, which is kind of only used on very rare occasions because the first drug is supposed to work for most people, 95% of people. And my hematologist had to get special permission uh, from this board. And so uh, thankfully, uh, this, this new drug has been able to help me be in what's called drug-induced remission. So um, it's been about six years uh, since my diagnosis that I've been in, uh, yeah, that remission. And I think I kind of hold intention. I'm thankful for the remission, for the ongoing um, healing from that. But I also know it's not a complete cure. And it's something I probably had to live with my rest of my life. And I kind of live in that in between of, is it going to come back? Is it, it's, it's not done. It's, it's still there. And so it's, uh, it's kind of odd space to be in, living with hope while also living with a sense of slight dread, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that in a nutshell, diagnosis and, and where I am today. Thank you for sharing so openly and vulnerably. Uh, you know, we've known each other through that journey. And I remember remember you being in pain, needing to go to the hospital. Uh, I remember once we're in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, hardly snows. We had a snowstorm. Uh, I had a truck at the time driving you to the hospital for your treatment. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think there's so much power in community. And when you open, when you're surrounded by people uh, who deeply care and love you, it it helps. I mean, it doesn't cure anything, but it definitely helps. So for those who are maybe listening today and are suffering silently, there's a community of people that that love you and mm. so, and are willing to support you. So so tap into that. Um, I'm curious, Felix, like that tension of living in. Uh, that that medically uh, induced remission and knowing that if that medication potentially stops, like how have you reconciled that in your in your mind? Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. Uh, maybe before I answer that, I yeah, I do want to thank you personally for yeah that that, that truck ride to get to the hospital and. The, and looking back on uh, the calendar at that time, I was looking at a few of the the events and I noticed Seasons on the Park meal, courtesy of Tim and Tanya. And I remember that you and Tim, you and Tanya just said, hey, I know it's a hard time, God bless you. And like you said, community and that sense of blessing and shared struggle that was amazing. So thank you for that. Um, that was really, really, really thoughtful and so appreciated. 
Um, yeah, the tension. I, uh, myself and yourself, we're both um, people of faith and we know that prayer is a huge part of uh, our lives. And in, uh, in our di my diagnosis, I found that um, depression is a real thing. <laughs> Just feeling a sense of what's going on, a sense of hopelessness. And, and sometimes I've felt, oh, like in order to have a, a real faith, like should I be feeling this? And sometimes people might have the, give the impression, oh, you know, in order to have a real faith, you gotta be happy and joyous all the time and just, just believe. And so and that kind of adds to that tension too. People have said, oh, you know, you're, you're healed and you shouldn't have to worry about it again. But I know <laughs> this could change at any point. And there's a book in the Bible called uh, the Psalms. And the Psalms are basically a series of poems and songs written by um, a king named David and a, a bunch of other people. And I found that amazingly helpful to know that the Psalms are written with a whole spectrum of emotions. Happiness, sure, but doubt, fear, anger, frustration. And I found that as I weighted the uncertainty of my health, that going through the Psalms and praying through those has been refreeing, knowing that there's others like yourself, like this, the Psalmist written has walked this journey as well. And I don't need to present this perfect image to other people about like everything is going to be okay all the time because we really, we live in a broken world and that's flawed. And yeah, so I think chatting with, with folks like yourself, reading the Psalms, being open has given that permission to, hey, things are not okay, they're not perfect, but let's 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 be real with that. Yeah, uh, thanks for thanks again for sharing. Let's be real with that. Uh, it's you know, it's someone who I, I feel that I'm in you know, drug reduced or induced, sorry, uh, remission with Crohn's. Um, you know, the last drug that was available on the market for me to try was just approved earlier this year. Um, without it, I would have mm -hmm. lost uh, my, all my intestine. So I know th that this may come back. It will likely come back. And I think what I'm hearing you saying is we, we have a choice when we wake up in the morning is are we going to live in that fear or are we going to wake up with a different sense of hope that sense of that hope that we we have from from our faith from jesus and saying you know today might be the day it comes back but um, that's not going to stop me from being a good partner a good father a good um, a good employee a good community member it so but that's but that also what you also said about you know depression is real and you know, how, how are you doing now? Hmm. I've, uh, I think emotionally, mentally, um, a lot better than I, like I have been in the past. And I think that's through great support from friends like yourselves, my wife, Jessica, uh, my church community. And, um, I know like 
Uh, we were part of the church community for a long time. And one thing I appreciate about yourself and the other members of the group was you didn't see me as Felix cancer patient. Uh, you saw me as Felix who happens to have cancer. And just that care has been huge. And yeah, I think having community, going to counseling, uh, cannot recommend that <laughs> um, more. It's just amazing to cross with someone who can walk together. Um, and yeah, seeing different mentors who have really helped me walk through all those doubts and struggles has been amazing. Um, like you said, walking through this pain and struggle, but seeking God throughout. It's like a, the concept that I can, I can rely on. And more recently, the past, uh, this past year, I've been part of a support group for leukemia patients. And that's been very therapeutic in itself. And I, I kind of avoided it for a long time. Uh, I think part of it was survivor's guilt. Like, oh, like, why, why should, what, what do I have to offer? And what about those who might not make it? But I've actually found that being part of that has been um, just a healing process for, for me and addressing that survivor's guilt, but also the feedback I've heard from others is, as I share my story, they say, oh, thank you for sharing. Like, I'm newly diagnosed. Like, it's, it's so, it's, I'm just so freaked out. And I need to know that there's people like you who have walked this path as well. So I definitely am not, you know, like, you know, some rainbows and unicorns person <laughs> and attitude, but I know that, okay, this journey I'm on is for a reason. And I want to pay it back to others and offer, you know, that one measure of support of hope that they might not otherwise have found. The word hope um, is, a, is emerging as a, as a theme, as well as the underlying theme of vulnerability. You know, going to a support group is vulnerable. Telling your friends is vulnerable. Seeking counseling and then telling people on a podcast that you've sought counseling, that is extremely vulnerable. And I think there's a tie between vulnerability and hope. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the phrase, um, vulnerability unlocks vulnerability. And I found that as I've shed some of that fear of judgment or fear of perceived weakness, that others have really leaned in and offered their own struggles and their sense of with depression or their own um, challenges and that in those spaces we've had a chance to talk about like what is real hope and where do we find hope that endures day after day and a great opportunity to share about how faith has been a part of my life and how that has been an immense pillar just like it has been for yours not that it's a cure on end all by no means but an amazing amazing resource and, and foundation to to share about so yeah definitely see a huge correlation there yeah that that phrase vulnerability unlocks vulnerability i've seen that through 
the half a dozen podcast episodes I've released through Invisible Condition. I've seen that through social media, through LinkedIn, especially. Uh, it's amazing how it does unlock others. And it, it almost gives that sense of permission which is really the point of this entire project, whatever I'm trying to build here, whatever I'm trying to do is, is like you said, even before we hit record, this is your normal. And how I live with Crohn's and arthritis and, and depression, this is my normal. And so it's, mm. we know that others and other people who are recently diagnosed with cancer or Crohn's or whatever you're diagnosed with, there's a new normal for you. And it's going to look different. People are going to tell you just eat your leafy greens or eat this or take these <laughs> vitamins and everything will be great. Yeah. That might not work for you. And so connecting with that community of people just to gain an understanding, not just from, hey, what diet and what exercise I should do, but what gives you hope? What do you hold on to? And I think that's a, that's a nice right. little, maybe a segue into uh, you're, you're a father. You've got three beautiful daughters and I am really curious, how have you been open with your daughters and, and transferred some of that hope that you carry into them, knowing that, you know, do they know that you uh, are in, uh, a cancer survivor or live with cancer? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, as you know, fatherhood is, uh, is an amazing gift and a privilege. When I was diagnosed, we just had Abby, and we've subsequently uh, been blessed with um, Ellie and Naomi uh, in the past few years. And I think it's been a, a privilege, really, to share that sense of we are in need of hope together. And just because I'm the parent, the authority figure, it doesn't mean that I have any less need of God, of pursuing faith, of hope. And uh, I explained to her, I mean, just more in general terms, that cancer is kind of like these, these bad cells and this drug helps to fight those, this, this bad cancer. And it's kind of funny, like, uh, she's had these uh, Terry Fox runs to raise awareness for cancer. And one day she came back and she says, you know, I'm thankful for this drug because that way you don't have to get your leg cut off like Terry Fox. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, I, I just love the, the childlike appreciation for, wow, yeah, that's amazing that I don't have to get my leg cut off. Um, and uh, we were recently at a leukemia fundraiser and it was a joy to see so many families, so many patients, others who have walked the same road and be able to share with Abby and Ellie, Naomi. We're here because many people have sacrificed their time, their money, so that others could have life or a better chance of it. And so, yeah, I think it's passing on hope, but also passing on gratitude that we're not in this alone. We're here because others have labored have worked so hard to care for other people that they might not even physically see. And so 
I think I've just tried to cultivate that practice of, yeah, we have hope. Mm-hmm. We can also be gracious and grateful for every day. Yeah, you know, in, yeah. in inviting our children to participate in a raising awareness, uh, mm-hmm. I am I'm a crazy advocate for that. You know, when I three mm. years ago when my Crohn's came out of remission, um, it was in a drug uh, drug induced remission. My body rejected the medication after 15 years. Um, my wife really took charge with my son, with Willem, and um, he was always a crafter, loves to create stuff, and was creating these pendants and in. And my really spearheaded by my wife of, hey, we're going to raise awareness and raise money for the Crohn's Foundation. And we explained to Willem uh, mm. my, and my daughter at the time what was going on. And, and she said, what do you want to call this little business? And his little brain was, um, was uh, you know, acting like a little little brain and said, a poo-poo pendants. And he just laughed. He thought it was the funniest thing, <laughs> you know, Crohn's and, and you know, washroom stuff. Right. And, and um but it it has stuck and he's raised hundreds and hundreds of dollars on his own for the Crohn's foundation. And and the point is, is, is if we hide who we are, what our version of normal is from our kids, especially from our families, um, how do they truly know us? And so Mm. inviting them in, inviting them in along and to create, uh, to create the story. Uh, that's amazing. I love how your your little daughter's brain works, and it was like running. I can imagine <laughs> running this fundraiser or running the Terry Fox run, and thinking in her mind, "It's like I'm so glad my dad has his legs." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, there's you're you you stepped into vulnerability. You stepped into hope. I know there's people that are going to listen to this or see this on social media that that are really afraid to be vulnerable, but yet have maybe this desire inside of them to share, and maybe it's a deeper desire to connect. What encouragement yeah. do you do you want to leave for someone who wants to <clears throat> and has that desire um, but is afraid? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great thought. Um, I think the first thing would be, I think recognizing that we're all fighting a battle that no one knows about. Um, so time and time again, that we can have, I can have assumptions. Oh, this person seems to be radiant and joyous. I don't know if I want to share with this person because I don't want to them to be down or whatever it is and i've actually found that as i've shared with people hey actually i'm not i'm not doing so well like maybe the side effects of my medication are kind of getting me down or whatever it is that more often than not others they they want to show care they want to show curiosity and it's been an open space to build a deeper relationship there now, that said, there have been times where it's opened up and the response has not been what I wanted. <laughs> I shared about, oh no, my side effects from medication and whatnot. And someone says, oh yeah, you know, I had a, I had a bad cold last week, you know? And so it's, 
little off-putting. <laughs> but I'd say, okay, no, man, that's that's tough, that's tough. <laughs> and I kind of move on. But I'd want to encourage as we share our stories, what we're going through, most people will lend you their ear, lend you their vulnerability as well. And it's an open door, an opportunity for amazing relationship and connection. Um, and perhaps even before you share openly, I'd recommend you know, writing some of your thoughts down, use a feelings wheel, try to identify, are you feeling hurt or depressed or um, discouraged to give you those words to share. Hey, I'm feeling discouraged today. I could use a hand with X um, so that we're not just kind of laying everything down unfiltered uh, without clarity. And again, I would want to bring up counseling again. Counseling is an amazing way to have someone listen to share perspective, insights. Um, and like uh, our counselor said to us, like, think of me as a paid friend. <laughs> and I love that because I could just share openly and I didn't have to worry about you know, judgment or anything. They were there to listen. And so, yeah, I'll just recap. Kind of get an awareness of your feelings and in a journal or whatever it is. Uh, pursue counseling or, or a friend that you know you can open up to and then take that risk of, of being vulnerable with others. Yeah. Awareness of feelings. Uh, that was great. What you said, mm. I, mean, I was just looking at my notes. I'm feeling X. I need help with Y. Mm -hmm. That is so powerful when it's distilled down other distilled down into something that is um it is brief brevity and clarity it's brief and clear mm -hmm. and you might need 10 things but if you have one person reaching out to you says how can i support just be clear right that person might not yeah. have capacity for 10 things but what is the one thing that you need i am feeling discouraged mm -hmm. i just want to go grab a coffee with someone are you free? Or mm -hmm. I am feeling in pain and not able to leave the house. I need support watching my kids for an hour. Just be crystal clear. Mm -hmm. And you will run into people who will say, no, I don't have time for that. And that's fine. Don't, mm -hmm. uh, but know that one rejection does not mean everybody will reject it, reject you. And I want to be clear yeah. on that. One rejection does not mean everyone will reject your, 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 uh, your request and be bold mm -hmm. in that. Um, uh, uh, that's, it's an amazing share. Um, awareness of feelings, pursue counsel or a friend, get it outside of your body, talk to someone. Um, and yeah. And then take that step of vulnerability, practice sharing your story, write it down, write down your story. And, and mm -hmm. if you want to share it, there's people who want to listen. And not listen out of just that mm -hmm. self-serving place, but out of authentic curiosity, that place of tell me more. How can I support? Yeah, totally. And I think something that really, uh, I want to be clear, what I'm sharing now 
is after many years of wrestling and struggling, I uh, I know that one of the biggest challenges early on that Jessica shared with me was, I don't know what's going on in your head. I I'm trying to guess, but I don't I don't know how you're feeling. I don't know how I can help. And in those early stages of diagnosis and uncertainty, um, I felt this internal pressure like, oh, I got to keep strong for my family. I can't show any kind of weakness. And my foolish perspective was, I'm going to be a strong, silent figure. And that will help them be inspired by my example. And that way, I won't worry them. But ironically, it was because of my silence that Jessica worried. I don't know what he's feeling. Is he feeling depressed or angry or frustrated or suicidal, whatever it is? And it was during a counseling session that I finally shared that. And she said, no, I need to hear from you. I feel safe, actually, when you share that you're, you're down, that you're in need of help. That way, I know how to support you. And that was such a revelation to me. I was living on this stereotype definition of manly strength or perseverance when what my what my bride needed from me was that vulnerability and I thank her for pushing me towards sharing that because that's part of some deeper intimacy that we'll never have had before that yeah, it's it's great that you acknowledge that it's taking it's taken a long time. It's taken some counseling to open up and be vulnerable. And uh, there, I know people who are just an open book. They're right from the get go. Hi, my name is so and so. This is what I have. And I've also met a lot of people who are timid and nervous and don't want to share and just want to have that like, oh, I've got it all together. And mm. in, I just want to break that down, right? Mm. Create, if we want to end the stigma that surrounds us, we need to step into our story and and feel comfortable with our story. Maybe, maybe comfortable enough to share it, but be comfortable in that story. Mm-hmm. That's one way we're going to end the stigma that surrounds this. And so hearing how Jessica had said, no, I need to hear this. You know, <laughs> uh, I know yeah. Jessica, I could just imagine how she was like, you know, the emotion that she's wearing on her, on her face and the emotion she's carrying when she said that. Um, how did you feel? I, was it a sigh of relief or was it, oh no, I still need to bury this? I, th- I think it was... There's still some part of me that held on to, I got to bury, got to repress this. But for the most part, it was relieving. I, I know I wanted to share. I, I needed that external permission that I wasn't giving myself. And I must be a theme on, amongst um, the other episodes you, you've um, you recorded. And I, I echo that as well. Sometimes it's hard for us to give ourselves permission and we need others to 
give us that space and that openness to share. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Giving ourselves permission. It's so hard. You know, it's something that we share in common is even though I'm in this project, I still struggle to share and there's things I haven't shared and maybe one day I'll share, but it's, you know, it's your story. And the beauty of your story is you get to choose what you want to share and how much you share. And maybe over years and years, you'll share more Mm -hmm. and more and more, but it's your story. And I'm just grateful for you, Felix. I'm grateful that um, you are here today sharing vulnerably um, because it will unlock more vulnerability. And uh, I'm thankful that you are, um, you're living your best normal and whatever that looks like. And uh, I'm just grateful that um, God has put you in my life and in a way that we can build each other up um, and support each other, you know, even from a distance over, over these years. And uh, so, yeah. you know, maybe my last, last thought here, your last thought is, you know, as we look to wrap up, what is one or two things that you want to leave for our listeners? You know, what's some encouragement that you'd like to leave for people? Hmm. Yeah, I think the, <clears throat> excuse me, one major thing I'd say is, I know wherever you know you're at, wherever we're at in your journey of health, whatever you don't need to wait for a catastrophic life illness like Crohn's or leukemia to be really intentional with our lives. Um, one thing I've I've learned, and I'm sure you've learned over your time with your illness, is how often we're living under the weight of expectations of others or stereotypes or self-imposed, I should do this because of blank. And I think I've been reminded time and time again that pursuing things just because we should pursue it might not be the best way to look at things. And I've realized how important just saying, oh, no, I'm going to pass on that because I want to pursue why instead. Just knowing whether it's career path or it's vocation or a social engagement, that we do have that power of choice. And sometimes we give that up to please or get the approval of other people and live with a performance mindset. So that's the first thing is just be proactive with our own choices. And, and secondly, I'd say, I re- want to reiterate, um, remember that everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about. And perhaps that's ourself. We're wrestling with something and we need help. We think of friends and family, those we see on the street. How can we think just more compassionately, more graciously to that person? Because we don't know. They might have just been diagnosed with cancer coming off an optometrist appointment. They might have lost a loved one, whatever it is. And so maybe someone's like really 
frustrated or angry or they seem like they're off. I know I've been challenged to think and express empathy, even inside, even if I don't say something, it's choosing to think well with the other person, whatever they're going through. Yeah, two important um, things to end our, our recording on, the power of choice, um, and everyone is fighting something. And, and it could be something small, it could be something um, life-changing. Again, Felix, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing. And I know this episode is going to uh, tug at people's heartstrings. And uh, so if you are listening and uh, you have questions or you'd like to connect or you're curious about telling your story, uh, reach out to me at invisiblecondition.com. Also in the show notes, there's a couple links to how to get a hold of Felix if you want to connect with him and, and hear about his uh, story a little bit more, head head to, uh, again, head to the, the website or wherever you get your podcasts. And selfishly, I just love for you to follow on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. Um, I just want to keep spreading this message out, um, not, not from a selfish perspective, but from a place of I know that this will um, change people's lives uh, by um, this power of sharing about our invisible condition. So with that, thanks again, Felix, and thanks everyone for tuning in.